Welcome back, peeps, to Perfect.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Perfect.dev. Today, we have Knut Melvar from Sanity.io. He is head of the developer relations over there. Yeah, I'm in the show. Knut, uh, do you have any anything you want to say to get rolling here? Yeah, sure. Um, well, Happy New Year, I guess. Yeah, Happy New Year as well. <laughs> I also have my my guest host with me, Nick Roosh. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy New Year! Uh, I'm excited about this. Let's get to I'm it. I'm pretty pumped. So, in in just a little backstory, in 2019, um, I started Ajon P and had a uh, back end that was a mess. I threw it all over the place, had some markdown files, all that fun stuff. In my rewrite to Gatsby, I stumbled upon this crazy thing called sanity.io. And that is where I was able to beat Knut because he is all over their uh, their Slack channels. He, he basically helps me once a day still to this day. It's kind of nuts. So I'm going to dive into our questions and get rolling here. So first question. Uh, what is a headless CMS? Yeah, and I guess I I'm the one to answer. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's kind of the, like like the big question, isn't it? Um. So yeah, a headless CMS. It's 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 kind of a problematic category for us who makes CMSs because it's it's defined by what's what it it is not uh, in a way. So headless means that it. It is a content management system that doesn't come with like a way to uh, render the content in in on a, like a web page. Uh, so CMS is used to come with like a template language built in. Like WordPress used PHP or or Jekyll used like uh, uh, what does Jekyll, the handlebar sort of thing? Yeah. Um, and, I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, and so-called headless CMS doesn't come with that. It only comes with uh, an API or a way to edit markdown files or whatever. So it's kind of defined like what it doesn't have. Why you would want a headless CMS is because exactly that, because you have some other way to to render some content either in like a fancy JavaScript framework like Gatsby or Gridsome or what have you, or in something completely different, like a voice assistant or a toaster, what what have you? Yeah, <laughs> right. So how how does uh, like Sanity IO fit into that picture? Like, why did Sanity IO come to be? Like, where was that grand vision? Yeah, so Sanity was built by sort of predecessor, which was a digital agency called Banglet, and they got this like world renowned architecture firm. Um, uh, like they asked them to to build a new website, and their old website was on WordPress. And uh, when like the guys at Bangor like looked into this, they they kind of found this mess of content where projects info and all the buildings and all this this stuff was like chaotically structured in HTML and sort of impossible to unwrangle and, and build into something new. So they kind of wanted a platform or a CMS that would let them structure this content and render it in interesting ways. Uh, and at the time, there wasn't really a 
solution that could provide what they needed. So they has made made it make it themselves. So that's where Sanity came up. Um, it was kind of neat, successful, and um, a couple of years after, they tried, thought, "Hey, why not just build a product out of this?" Sure. Um, yeah. And rest and, is history, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, I, if I remember right, a big part of the the vision um, behind like Sanity is portable text, um, and that that was something new to me, and it's still something I struggle with a little bit. Um, I understand that you know you want to be able to i think you even mentioned a toaster like you want to be able to send down like this content onto your front of your fridge or a toaster or whatever um how does how does that work like i think a lot of people are used to markdown but what does what does portable text actually look like what does it do yeah so everything um uh, insanity is structured like as json documents uh, which makes it really easy to to uh, work with in in especially web technologies, I guess, uh, and JavaScript uh, in the JavaScript world and so on. And portable text is a specification. It's like open source, and you can check it out uh, for dealing with rich text in like a JSON structure. And um, we have like for many years uh, embedded rich text in this format called HTML, mm-hmm. and it has been great. Uh, yeah, I think but, I think I've heard of that one, <laughs> <laughs> but it's great only mostly for the web, uh, and of course, web is a big part of what we do. But it's not so great when it comes to native apps or poster programming code or whatever uh, and it's not that great in um, in like these javascript frameworks because like it's not fun using danger- dangerously insert in inner html in react and sort of lose control over what happens inside of it right so portable text lets you like serialize different parts of rich text and give you control over how that is rendered even in like a web framework. So that's kind of useful. It's a bit of a learning curve because it's not that common like of an approach. Uh, But um, once you get into it, it's pretty neat. Yeah, for sure. I, it t- it took me a, a minute to do some of the like I don't I don't know if you call it deserialization or uh, yeah. what it's called, but basically like taking in all that nice portable JSONy text and it becomes a lot. Like um, where Markdown has, you know, it, basically you're paragraphs are just text and then you have your header with a pound or two pounds or whatever um html similar right because you have markup it actually tells you what's happening in there uh the the portable text which uh, for many of you on the podcast it's probably hard to actually uh visualize this but if you looked at json it it actually breaks down every single line so like if you have a paragraph, but it has a bold parameter in it, it actually has to list out that that certain piece of text is bold. And when you take that whole massive, like raw portable text back in, you have to kind of, uh, what's the right word, deserialize that text um, and then put it back into most of the time um what we're dealing with an html form so it's a lot of like this back and forth but uh it, it's definitely 
I think if we look out three years from now, it's like, ah, why, why weren't we doing that more often? That's, <laughs> that's kind of where my head's at. But yeah. So, so I'm like, I've been using Markdown forever or not right. forever because <laughs> it hasn't been forever, but, uh, it's designed to be easy to write and easy to read. That's why John Gruber designed it because he didn't want to like handwrite HTML, which makes sense, right? Um, but it's not that great for like programmatically uh, parse. It's it's kind of a pain to parse HTML and Markdown in your um, in your programs. And of course, it's had it has been a thing for many years. So there's a lot of tooling and stuff like that around these things. But but it's 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 better to have something with like portable text if you want some sustainability and stuff like that uh, for your content and what what portable text also allows is to do some powerful things because you can embed data structures within your rich text so you can say you can sort of make a footnote that is like sustainable and not will not break or not require any like special short code magic or something like that it's pretty logical uh, in a way and if you use it with sanity you can also embed references into this data structures so you can have actual index references inside of your rich text so documents can know of each other either uh, even when we have them uh, these references within a uh, annotation upon a span and so on so it's pretty powerful but but as you say yeah. it's a bit of a thing to learn uh, so yeah yeah, it's definitely powerful though. I, I think once you're kind of in the flow and you already have like um for instance I on our site, you know, we use we use Gatsby right now. And for that, I think one of the the big parts in there, once you have that kind of deserialization set up and it's all modeled out, you kind of stop thinking about portable text. So um, like tomorrow, if I want to spit out only markdown files, I just set up another deserializer and here's the markdown or here's a react component or, you know, whatever you want to make out of it. That's kind of the, the power that I see with it. There's also this kind of this crazy language called Grok. <laughs> I mean, what is that all about? How do I use it? How do you explain it? Like what is Grok to people with portable text? Yeah, so so Grok or uh, uh, what's the abbreviation? So graph relational object queries, I think. Uh, it's short I, I think that's probably right. <laughs> um, so uh, when when like Bangler or the Sanity predecessors uh, made Sanity, they they needed some way to query the the content, right? And this was around the time GraphQL was open sourced. And they looked at this, but they needed some, they needed a way to like just query arbitrary JSON documents without having to define a schema or resolvers and so on. So Grok is a full fledged uh, open source specification for a query language for JSON documents, basically. Uh, so it's kind of like SQL for JSON, where, whereas GraphQL is more like RESTful. Or something. It's more like a API pattern, a way to design an API. So it's not directly comparable, but you kind of use it for the same things. But uh, but yeah, 
It, it seems amazingly powerful. Does it work? The the one big thing, like I keep considering is I use Firebase all the time too. It, does it work similarly to that? Do you know? Um, or is it, it, it's very bizarre, like seeing kind of like that SQL-ish um, <laughs> syntax, but then thinking about JSON on the other side of it and how that all pins together. Yeah, so I'm actually not that familiar with Firebase. I like okay. played a bit with it, but not too sure. much, uh, especially not since I started in at Sanity. I should prob- probably do it. <laughs> but uh, as I understand, Firebase, you kind of get this like object that you can can um, like uh, put data into uh, and query. There's a SDK or something, right? To, to yeah. Like, yeah. There's so there's Firebase and Firestore, and they're both like document based. Um, Firestore has more of like collections within it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you and you can take and query those just as you said, like through an SDK. Um, they have a ton of them. But the interesting part to me is, you know, if all these things are just JSON payloads, it would I would think like Grok should be able to tie out to that too. Maybe it's just one of those. Hey, here's a project that you know <laughs> could call out to. I don't know. I don't know how that looks. And a, a lot of people complain on the Firebase side that it's it's kind of a closed off system. Even though you know a ton of it's out there, it's still owned by Google. Um, I believe Grok and Portable Text and everything are open uh, license standards. Yeah, so so we try to open source everything that we can and makes like it's responsible in terms of us also wanting it to be a business, right? But um, but we open sourced Grok uh, last summer, and that involves like publishing the full specification, and we also published um, uh, the JavaScript uh, implementation of it. So you can run Grok locally on any like JSON documents collection that you have so it will only load it into memory and that you like um, query it there or you can go to grok.dev and try it in, in the browser uh, and we also we also made like a partial compiler <laughs> that you you technically yeah. if you want to have it in another programming language you can technically do that i don't know how easy it would be but uh but uh, we want one in 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 golang right because that's okay. what we use on, on the back end but but uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, if Google decided that they wanted to use Grok for Firebase, they t- could totally do that. Uh, That's interesting. That would be, yeah, it would be very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So um, I, I know you guys are uh, GCP or Google Cloud Platform on the back end of Sanity. Um, is it, this is something that I've been like crazy thinking about for a while now. Is it purely, um, like the the database the back end like it's a hundred percent custom are you running it serverless are you running it on a vm can you answer any of this <laughs> I, like it blows my mind like what's that look like yes yeah, so, so so um so what we what we give you because let, let's backtrack a bit so sanity yep. uh we call it a platform for structured content because it's not like only like the log into the CMS interface and get an API. So you get like this open source Sanity Studio, which is kind of like the CMS. And that's just a React uh, single page application. And you, we give you all the code uh, and stuff like that. This connects to our hosted real time data store. 
which you refer to now, um, which you don't have the source code for because we are hosting it and running it and keeping it up to date because this is like a real-time data store. So it kind, kind of likes Firebase or Firestore yeah. in a way. Uh, we also have CDNs, like we, we cache the queries that you have or the assets that you have because you also get like an asset backend with on-demand transformations and stuff. So we have all this piping and wiring uh, that, we, that we are building and that's custom. That's uh, it, it's built okay. with like boring database technologies, but in like a special <laughs> way that makes it possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. every, every time I go to look at it, I'm like, oh, this is so much like Firestore, but yet like very content based and it's doing mm. a couple extra things in here. And so I was trying to figure out if you guys ended up like plugging a backend and, you know, we were talking about JSON, like Firestore is the backend piece. Cause I've seen, uh, um, like Flamelink uh, is like a CMS built on mm. top of Firebase. And I'm like, did they just plug it all together really nicely and make it work? That's why it's, like, it it's seems so Firebase, similar. It's not Firestore. <laughs> it's, it's much more boring. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's mature uh, database technologies that we have like combined in a way that works. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, you know, I'm actually, I'm going to pop up for those on, on the YouTube side of this, just show um, kind of what we talk about here a minute, uh, maybe. There we go. So when when Knut's talking about like Sanity Studio, the crazy part is like this is Ajon P's backend. Okay. So when Knut's talking through it, and for those on the podcast, I'm basically showing a web screen and it has things like blog posts um, for our for our blog. And then we break down kind of our courses um, at a high level and then course modules. But when we're talking about portable text and different things, like these look kind of crazy different once they're out on the actual main website. Like we have this image served up by um, the Sanity backend, but it's actually calling out if you were ever to look at the inspect side of this. Let me drag that over real quick. It actually is spitting out like image sets and all this kind of cool um, image manipulation uh, or not manipulation, but different source sets on the fly dynamically. And so that's in addition to all the, the text-based items, there's a ton of image type stuff. Um, one of these days I'm going to get around to doing an actual tutorial. All of my anchor links here, um, which don't work currently, but the background color of those are actually icon background colors. So if I were to go into like the Angular CLI in frameworks, it's actually pulling the color out of this using some of uh, the yeah. the crazy technology in um, what Sanity offers to to build some of that out. So, and when we show off like Studio like this, my Studio could look a hundred percent different than anyone else's Studio. Well, maybe not a hundred percent different, but they could they could plug and play a lot. Like one big thing for me, um, I think out of the box, this was the the Gatsby um, build that build out to Netlify, and I was able to put in 
uh, Google Cloud build into it because I run everything off of of GCP um, on the back end. So it, cool. it's just an amazing product that that we get to to utilize for sure. Um, everything um, is built on React. Um, so you can customize, like I said, mine might look totally different than anyone else's because you can put any little React plugin in this thing that you'd like um, and it all ties out. So just that in a nutshell um, kind of leads me into my next question. With showing that, how would you say that's different from like Contentful? I always feel like they've got me into their product and like you're only going to use it this way and can you explain like some of the differences there not to like put down contentful i don't like putting down anybody's product or anything but what's the difference that you see in jamstack i can at least say that how sanity perhaps differs from like contentful and similar headless CMSs because uh, what they tend to do is to to give you like the web interface, like the web admin area, and then you go into it and then you drag and drop your content models. And as I say, there are some like constraints and restrictions to for how to do stuff, right? And you don't get like first class citizen when it comes to access to the APIs. So because we give you the admin or the like the content environment source code, uh, we also sort of have to give you all the access to the APIs because this this studio had to connect to all of these things like the history API or users or whatever right um so that's the main difference and and being able to as you say and have done like customize how you want that content editing environment to be and that's like the highest differentiator i think you can have that with other cmss as well you you can probably do wild stuff with wordpress right but they usually comes with the cost of you having to manage the backend yourself uh, and sometimes right. you want to to do that. Sometimes you would enjoy uh, managing a, a MySQL database, right? But but sometimes right. you would. I mean, not, not me, but someone <laughs> might. <laughs> uh, and and the other differentiator, I think, is I, I think we're still the only like content management platform that's real time. So everything you do in oh. a studio or whatever is like real time, like Google Docs, and that that's not something you think about a lot especially if you are like the sole person on the project but not having to worry about document locking or race conditions and stuff like that is also pretty useful especially when you um, are connecting bots or scripts or stuff that wants to do stuff with your content while you are editing or whatever yeah cool um so i think we we probably touched a little bit on my my last and final question, but uh, I know you haven't dealt with Firebase at all. Have you done anything with like DynamoDB um, in AWS or any of those? Okay. I, no, I know that... of them. Haven't done a lot of stuff. Okay. With them. Yeah. Yeah. My, my question, and we can just talk about it offhand, was kind of like, what is the difference between like a Firebase and a Dynamo and things like that? And I guess from from my standpoint, what I've experienced uh, between my day job and kind of my side projects is sanity. Actually, it's 100 percent focused on content. 
right? So they want um, all of your like textual content, your images. Um, I don't, you guys aren't doing movies or like video yet, correct? That's correct. Uh, okay. We we are have partnered with someone that does it better, like Mux. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yep. Um, but basically, I guess where I was heading with all that, in order to do at least the image and like database part of those things, you have to dive into like separate products. So not separate like infrastructure products, but when we're looking at like DynamoDB, you've got to tie in like AppSync to you know, have GraphQL to DynamoDB in the back end that points at a storage bucket to store your images. And you have to like create all of that infrastructure. Same on Firebase. It's Firebase. Uh, they don't have a GraphQL endpoint like Sanity does, but, um, you know, REST API essentially, SDK on that. And then you have to um, end up going with... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Storage uh, container, I think, is the right thing on GCP. I, I keep getting too many clouds in my brain, too many, too many product items. <laughs> um, but you have to kind of create all that where Sanity's just like, hey, here's this thing. Here's a React component. Drop this in and it works. Or you can add some of the nice uh, plugin features and it takes care of it for you. Is that fair to say? probably a decent comparison not knowing firebase or um aws though yes so we have customers that doesn't use the studio at all and just use oh. like the oh. back end for um for example we have a large ish uh, like um cable tv provider in norway uh, okay. and and they use Sanity to, they have a lot of different data sources and databases for movie and TV series content and stuff like that. And they synced all of that into Sanity to get like a unified API to query this uh, against their applications and stuff. Um, cool. So in many cases, I would guess it can replace something like Firebase or Dynamo. Uh, but as you say, those are more low level in a way. They give you more affordances in terms of uh, access control, perhaps, or, or also like more database sure. stuff. Um, but we, we are continuing working uh, and building uh, features that takes this closer to what those are. But as you say, we are okay. kind of focused on content because that makes sense because there's so many things to solve in, in that area. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so do you have anything else you'd love to add as we wrap up here, Knut? <laughs> to like complete this pitch uh, session, session on, on Sanity? Well, I, uh, I love Sanity, so keep pitching away in my book. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we could we could have talked talked about. You touched hey, on like that, the... that sounds like a, a podcast part two to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds like if we can have you on again, that's great. Of course, any time. But but uh, yeah, you 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 mentioned like the icon colors and stuff like that. Um, it would uh, perhaps elaborate a bit on that. So what sure, happens yeah. when you upload an image to Sanity is that we take that image and we we analyze it and write that data into something called an asset document. So you will get like the color palettes, the dimensions, and we make like a low quality image placeholder uh, that we also put into this document. And there are other services that does kind of the same 
things. But what's neat about this is now your assets are queryable. And this is where structured content comes in, right? So you can say that um, if you allow us to take the EXIF data of your photos, you can actually use in Grok query for all the images that you have where a flash has been used when you took it, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and you can also say, give me all the posts that uses an image where the flash has has went off when I took the picture. So you can do stuff like that, which is pretty wild uh, when you think about it. But uh, that's like the 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 neat thing with structured content, I think. Yeah, I think um, you you're probably seeing a lot of different like content agencies starting to uh, pick up on Sanity IO because of that. Um, isn't uh, is it Condi Nast? Um, don't didn't you have a blog on that recently where they have tons of asset management going on? Yes. Yeah, so Condé Nast in Britain has a magazine called Love Magazine, and it's this like very photo heavy uh, kind of publication. Uh, I think they have like 3000 photographies or something um, on on their site. And um, our asset picker has been pretty minimal for a while. Uh, And the the developer at Love Magazine asked us to like improve it. And we thought about it and came to the conclusion that what if we just made it possible for you to like... uh, make it easy for you to like, add your own asset manager because yeah. people have different needs when it comes to asset management. Right. And so we did that and he built this awesome like media manager that fits yeah. perfectly for what they need. Right. So yeah. Um, that's and that's, like, that's kind of why you open source that new plugin for all of your, your media management side of things. Right. Yeah, exactly. And cool. it's, it's like, I made like a webcam asset source plugin on the train ride ride home. It's it's like pretty easy. Yeah. Full disclosure. I'm a uh, Cloudinary MDE as well. Um, So I've had Cloudinary images floating around every place. I'm like, "Ah, I'm not ready to convert all those to sanity. Those need to stay there. So um, in kind of that um, portable text piece of it, uh, I embed images, but just kind of the source links. The cool part about that new plugin, I think, is to be able to then link up my Cloudinary syncs and just kind of pick and choose what I need to do um, out of that one. Something else that I'm working on, if I ever get some more free time, it seems like I don't have enough these days, is to uh, export directly out of Figma, um, either to Cloudinary or to uh, to Sanity.io, which you and I have discussed very briefly, but um, that's something I definitely want to work on in 2020 as well. We just do too much um, image creation that I have to move off manually all the time, so... It'll be yeah. it'll be some fun stuff coming in 2020 for sure. Yeah, absolutely, and you touched on something there because uh, we don't mind at all that you use Cloudinary, and that if it mm-hmm. worked for you, that's that's uh, totally cool. And we just want to make it easy for you to continue using what you need to use because yeah. you have, like in the enterprise area of stuff, you have like they have to be used as like digital asset manager because it was like decided by lawyers and stuff. Uh, So it should be like easy to tap that into sanity uh, and continue like building. So that's that's cool. Yeah. 
at my old company, uh, they were heavy into Adobe, but you want to talk price comparison on that? It's uh, <laughs> oh, night and day. <laughs> I think we're still cheaper than Adobe. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a smidge, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that's that's all the kind of questions I had ramped up. Um, we've, we've switched over. We're trying to do some random picks, but what we're going to, what we're going to go forward with now is we're calling them our perfect picks. So, uh, I think I, I kind of mentioned this to you a little bit, Canute. Do you have a few or one or any picks? At least one or the obvious pick is of course, go to sanity. I'll slash create and try it out. Um, but that would be boring to say, right? So, uh, my pick <laughs> is my perfect pick is take a vacation. <laughs> nice. I like Perhaps that. You know, coming now. out of the holiday season, yeah, people but- kind of forget that. I, I just took a vacation and it's pretty healthy and good. Um, I just <laughs> closed the Mac be, before the holidays and it stayed closed. Um, yeah, that's that that was needed. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pop up for those on the YouTube side. So Sandy.io create for those on the podcast I have up um, right now. Um, the cool part is I actually started with this blog with Gatsby um, side of it and I've customized it like crazy since then, but it's a great starting place. Um, uh, recently, Nick and I have been talking about um, now that we're bringing more people on to do content, we actually might be switching back to like Next.js to get some more like real time pieces to it. So we don't have to do builds all the time uh, when we want to get our blogs out. So some great, uh, great starter things. Oh, I didn't even see the the sapper one in there. Very nice. So that's the, it, for those of you spelt threes out, sappers kind of build off that. Yeah. And uh, there's an agency in the UK called Moving Brands and they actually uh, made a SAP, uh, Svelte uh, portable text serializer. So if you want to like, oh, wow. use native Svelte modules in your rich text, you, you can now do that. That's really yeah. cool. That's really awesome. Okay. So my perfect pick, and I did stick with the sanity idea as well, but I love this squizzy thing. And the uh-huh. reason I love it is it's because <laughs> it's blowing my mind right now. Um, this gets back to my whole question. Like, so they, if you haven't heard of it, there's this thing called Kahoot, right? It's, it's kind of how to teach kids, um, uh, development and, and all kinds of things, I guess. Um, but what they do are little quizzes and sanity. I don't know if you're a heavy part of this or Evan or who, who actually wrote this app. Um, but the cool part about this is it shows you can use sanity IO for not only content, but you actually have a game set up, uh, a quiz game or quiz or however you say it, um, set up that you can interactively, um, work with each other on. And that's where my mind gets all confused <laughs> and blown again. Cause I'm like, well, I always use Firebase for this side of things. And I think, uh, I think you guys are using lambdas or, um, something like that on the back end. Yeah, so we like every week we have like uh, uh, this could we could build this with Sanity, right? When we see a new like software as a service thing pop up or something, we kind of had the idea of like making like a uh, this could be your new startup using Sanity thing, but um, but but yeah, Squizzy is like this idea that we had to, to show kind of another side of Sanity because. Um, 
as of now, most people use it like as their web website backend, which is totally cool. But there's so much more that you can do. And uh, making this real time quiz game was a way to show that. Also showing how you can customize Studio because we also have this. You have this host screen like that have the QR code that your mobile application can scan and, and shows like the results and, and, and stuff like that. And that's made like as a plugin for the studio. Yeah, um, that's yeah. very cool. And the code is like on our GitHub and you can check it out. And as I say, we use some lambdas uh, on Netlify to, to, to let the uh, client application post their answers. And it's it's not that much code. That's that's a cool with lambdas because it always tends to not yeah. be that much code for doing pretty useful Ser- things. Serverless like, for the win, right? I yeah, mean, it's it's pretty it's neat. Awesome. So yeah, you should check that out. I'm glad that you picked that. Yeah, it, it's been on the back of my mind to actually implement something similar on HMP for. We're working on this uh, tutorial right now for. Uh, uh, like a 10 year old essentially so it's html for a 10 year old javascript for a 10 year old and i'm like oh this would be perfect just to throw like a quick quiz together that you know four kids want to be like hey i'm going to test you in javascript and like that's what they get to do so I, it was perfect timing for me i just uh diving back into the new year here it's got yeah. my brain just churning we actually run uh, ask wizzy in the slack community uh and oh really totally worked so that was cool <laughs> that's awesome Awesome. Well, we'll wrap it up there. I really appreciate your time. It sounds like we might be able to to steal some of your time again to to come on and be a guest on Perfect.dev. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Head over to Perfect.dev to check out our other content and say hi to our community. No matter what you are pursuing, keep working and stay perfect.